It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Hippocrates once said, make a habit of two things, to help or at least to do no harm. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, talk to us. Give us your feedback or questions at ChristianQuestions.com and all our social media channels. Dig deeper after this episode by downloading our comprehensive Seeker Rewind show notes. It's a visual and contextual map for everything we cover. Look for the Seeker Rewind button on our episode pages. Another great companion is our all-new Study Questions tool, an easy-to-follow, single-page of questions tied to scriptures for a great personal study or for your Bible study group. Check them out by clicking on the Bible Study tab on our homepage. And we also do video. Look for new videos for all ages every week at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, it's the final podcast of 2019. What is the subject matter today? Well, Rick, our question is, should my habits be kept or broken? And our theme text is found in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. Okay, should my habits be kept or broken? Yep, it's another new year, and that means another opportunity to start some things that are new and different and good for us. It also means we consider stopping or at least reducing those things in life that aren't so good for us. All sounds so easy except for one little detail that can be expressed in one little word. Habits. Breaking old and establishing new habits is one of the hardest challenges most individuals face. This is difficult because by definition, making and breaking habits is making and breaking instinctive behavior. So coming up in today's podcast, look, let's be honest. When was the last time you truly stopped a bad habit and started a good one? If it was recently, that's awesome. If not, well, in segments two and three, we're going to talk about understanding the habit-changing secrets of beliefs and expectations. Look, let's face it, breaking old habits and making new ones is work, and it's not easy. We look forward to it for about 30 seconds, and (laughs) and then the fight begins. In our final two segments, we uncover what changing our habits looks like from the outside in, and it really is fascinating. However, our conversation will begin with the inside out, which is the birthplace of all habits. Rick, the first thing we need to do is to know what to change and why. While this is an important beginning, the next step is to know how to change, and that is where our work and focus truly begins. So we're going to be looking at habits in a lot of different ways today. But Jonathan, first, there was something you and I talked about that you wanted to mention. Yes, Rick, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Tim Allen, and um, he was actually with us several months ago on a, on a podcast there in your in your studio. Yes, yeah, yeah. He, and he, his wife Julianne was with right. him, and and he passed away. He did. And it was a, a sudden, 
uh, not unexpected. And he's, he's a, much younger than we are. And so we really miss him. And he, he was such a supporter and he just loved um, what we were doing. And he was always encouraging us. So yeah. he is truly going to be missed. Yeah, you know, and Jonathan, one of the final things we're going to talk about is the performance in our lives as being the legacy of our lives. And Tim and Julianne were here sitting with me in our studio in, in my home, maybe in, in August, I think it was. And, you know, they listened and they, they were following the notes and we're going through the podcast and so forth. And usually when I'm done, I, you know, wrap it up and I do the editing and I do the uploading and all that stuff. But no, 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 no. Tim's in the room. And so what happens is he's got to go back over things and he's got to reexamine them. And he just wants to go deeper. And he was such a, a he was, he was a, he had a voracious attitude for understanding God and his plan and talking about God and his plan. And that's the legacy of his life that he showed me that night. Even though I didn't know it at the time, that's how I remember him now. And so for to Julianne, our, our prayers certainly are with you and all of those who are, uh, he died on Christmas Day and oh, uh, we are missing him. Definitely. What a heart. What a, what a Christ-like uh, yeah you know, character. Absolutely. It just came out of every pore of him. Yes, it certainly did. So that being said, he would want us to do the message. So we're going to be talking about habits. And the linking of habits that we're going to talk about is from John Maxwell. He is a leadership teacher and author. I have read many of his books. I've gone to his seminars. I've learned a ton from him in terms of leadership and so forth. And so we're going to be quoting one-liners from him throughout our podcast. Here's the thing, though, Jonathan. In this little paragraph, there are six key points. We all have habitual thinking, habitual beliefs, and habitual expectations. Our attitudes are driven by habit as well as our behavior is. This means that our performance in all areas of life is habit-related, which means that our very lives are habit-driven. So because of all this, we want to be open to examining each area of our lives for habits that need to be broken and habits that need to be established and habits that need to be kept. That's what today is about. So as we start, let's go right into a soundbite. This is from How to Actually Break Your Bad Habits from Thomas Frank. He's going to talk about three stages of habits, and then we're going to get into this scriptural perspective on how to deal with all this. You have the ability to break those bad habits as long as you take the challenge seriously. And as Aristotle said over 2,000 years ago, with some admittedly weird grammar in the English translation, what it lies in our power to do, it lies in our power not to do. But before we dive into the actual tactics and strategies here, it's useful to ask the question, what exactly is a bad habit? Well, in Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, he defines a habit in general as an ingrained pattern of behavior that has three stages. There is the cue, whatever triggers the habit in your mind, the routine, the pattern of behavior, the actions that you take to get the reward, the final part. And he also mentions that once a habit becomes truly deeply rooted and ingrained and you've gone through it several times, a fourth component also comes into the equation, and that's craving. When the cue is triggered in your mind, there is an intense craving for that reward. And it's important to understand this. Every habit has a reward. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. It's a good place for us to begin Every habit has a reward, but there's a cue, there's something that starts it, there's a routine that builds it, and then you get to the reward, and then you develop the craving that makes you go back to it again and again and again, and then we find ourselves stuck in a rut. So, my habitual thoughts, we're starting with thoughts. 
habits to break or habits to make? Folks, when you talk about your thoughts in different areas of life, are they habits, because thoughts are habitual, that should be broken or should be enhanced? That's the first question we have to ask ourselves. So, Jonathan, when we're talking about habit breaking, where, where do we want to go with this? Well, Rick, what belief is my thinking in this particular area of my life enhancing? So what we're saying is thinking is the core. Thinking is the base. Thinking will always lead to belief. So what belief is my thinking in this particular area of my life, the area you're examining, what is it enhancing? Does my thinking contribute to believing in myself as a called-out follower of Christ? Because, Jonathan, if our thinking is not enhancing that, it's habitual thinking that needs to be reorganized. That's right, and rem- removed. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 you're right. It needs, to, it needs to have that replacement thing happen, which we'll get yes. into in a little bit. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For though through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Okay, so look, thinking that encourages my ego is not thinking that encourages my Christian growth. Got to remember that. And, and another, another point, Jonathan, is it talks about don't think too highly of yourself. Right. I would submit to you that thinking too lowly of yourself is the same problem as thinking too highly of yourself. And it's because we're thinking about ourselves. Right. <laughs> right. Instead so, of God. <laughs> right, right. So when we get into that rut— and we say, okay, I'm not going to think too highly of myself because I really am garbage, not even sure why God called me, don't think I have a place, I can't do what they do. Who are you thinking about? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so we've got to be careful. Thinking too much about ourselves is what this issue really, really is. Well, Rick, um, I was thinking about goal setting at this time of year, and a thought came to mind. Each year... In Christ, I see more things I need to work on, to fix, to improve on, because I realize I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. Uh, it's not you, you, you say you see more things that need fixing. It's not because you're getting worse, but it's because you're growing up in Christ. And when we grow up in Christ, what, it's, what it means is we're able to see more, able to, to absorb more, and able to work on the deeper things that we weren't able to handle before. That's true. When we're young, we're only single-focused, right. uh, little baby steps. But right. that, that makes a lot of sense. So that's good, Jonathan. I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you have such a hard time with yourself. Um, Finally. No. <laughs> it's about Be, time. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because really, that's part of growth. And that's part of making the right kinds of habits to deal with these things. So let's get into habit-making. Remember, our thoughts can be things that we need to break. Habit making, Jonathan. What should we be looking about? And this and this next line is a direct quote from John Maxwell. When you change your thinking, you change your beliefs. So thinking always will lead to beliefs. We're going to look at Saul's pre-conversion life. Now Saul is became the apostle Paul. So when we say Paul Saul in this episode, we're talking about the apostle Paul before he became the apostle. We're going to trace what he was and his conversion. And what and use it as a template for us to manage our own habits. So we're thinking about we're, we're talking about thoughts at this point. Acts chapter twenty six, verses four and five, and then verses nine through eleven. 
So then, all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem, that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. So he set, set, starts out with this description of himself saying, I was a very strong Pharisee. Everybody knows what I stood for. Then he describes his actions in verses 9 through 11. So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign countries. So you think about this, Jonathan, he was a bad man. While he was single focused, he was attack mode. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, trying to force them to blaspheme, chasing them from city to city, casting his vote for them to die, locking, locking them up in prison. He was not godly. He was bent on serving God. He truly was. But he did not think about and therefore believe in true godliness. He was thinking about traditional thought and protecting, tradi- pro- protecting traditions rather than protecting the actual word of God. So yeah. he was a mess. Misfocused, very misfocused. So let's, let's continue now. Acts 26, now verses 12 to 15. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commissions of the chief priests, at midday, O King Agrippa, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me, and those were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Saul is on his way to continue to persecute Christians. He gets this vision, and Jesus speaks to him. And he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Jesus, and he says, who are you? Jesus identifies himself. Saul's thinking is now being challenged. Oh, big time. See, he's on the road. He's ready to do damage. And the one to whom he is trying to damage, the reputation of Jesus, comes to him in a vision and says, why are you persecuting me? This challenges the core of his thinking, which is going to lead to his beliefs. This is the fundamental beginning of the process that would change him. So I submit to you that for us, it's the same thing. To change a habit, we fundamentally have to look at our thinking and decide, is it worth keeping or do we need to change it or adjust it? But do we need to see this bright light and be knocked down to the ground before we get it? <laughs> Maybe figuratively, but not physically. Okay. How's that? Right. You know, okay. sometimes, you know, you, you, the saying, you know, I had, God had to hit me in the head with a two by four. Yeah. Well, that's what sometimes we need that. And it, it doesn't happen exactly the way it happened for, for Saul, who became Paul. But this is very, very important. So, Jonathan, make or break in terms of thinking. What do we have here as we wrap this segment up? Habitual thinking is the first place to identify and weed out bad habits or continue the good ones. Habitual thinking is where we have to start if we're going to deal with our habits. So habits always start with thinking. That's really no surprise because everything in life starts with thinking. Thinking produces belief. 
What is triggered when we begin to entertain new and better beliefs? You know what's great about subscribing to Christian Questions on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. You receive a push notification reminder every time a new episode is published. Plus, it's a good thing to binge listen to several episodes in a row, really easy playlist features, and you can auto-download new episodes to your phone every week. So subscribe today. Now let's pick up the pace for tonight's topic. The tricky thing about this whole habit thing is that our thinking happens both consciously and subconsciously. As we change both levels of thinking, beliefs can follow. We need to be careful because new beliefs are fragile, and we need to guide and nourish them to an appropriate end. And, And Jonathan, anything new is fragile and needs extra care. And a new habit is like a thread. It can be broken just by turning the wrong way. So we've got to be just, just watch our thinking. Absolutely. And we know New Year's resolutions, how quickly they fade away because they're not nurtured and focused on and worked at. They, they fade away like they were never there. And, you know, they, they fade away because they're not, they're not nurtured. But I think another reason they fade away on top of that is because we didn't look at them with the intensity of the necessity of the new habit and, and getting rid of the old. And that's what today's podcast really is about. Let's figure out the core value of what my thinking is or is not and then do something about it. I mean, truly do something about it. Great quote from Warren Buffett. Chains of habit are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. That is profound. So let's get into my habitual beliefs. Now, we talked about thoughts in the first segment. Thoughts are the foundation for thoughts are the core. Are my habitual beliefs habits to break or are they habits to make? Got to ask yourself that question in different areas of your life. So in terms of habit breaking, Jonathan, what are we looking at? Well, what true expectation is my belief in this area of life revealing? So we're going to be focusing on belief, but inevitably belief is going to lead us to expectation. So what true expectation is my belief in this area of life revealing? Do my present beliefs instill an expectation of being daily faithful to my call? Do my beliefs give me that expectation of being faithful or do they draw me from it? And folks, if they draw you from it, that's a habit that we need to look at and say, what am I going to do about it? So let's each time we talk about habit breaking, we're going to use an example outside of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Let's go to James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 for that example in, in terms of beliefs right here and now. You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you did not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So this is about beliefs. You know, you're you're asking, you're all messed up because your belief system is not feeding spirituality. While our thinking and beliefs are mired in what we want, our expectations can't grow spiritually. So if we are stuck, Jonathan, in what I want, because it's me, it's Rick, and Rick's the most important thing, and I don't know if you knew that, but, you know, Rick is the most important (laughs) thing. (laughs) If we're stuck there, then we can't grow spiritually, and our expectations will never go to spiritual growth. So often our beliefs are self-esteem driven rather than being driven 
by esteeming Christ. Wow, that's so true. So we've got to decide what is it I'm going to believe in. It starts with thoughts and goes to beliefs. Let's go back to Thomas Frank, How to Actually Break Your Bad Habits. And he talks about here needing compelling reasons. And, and again, that, that fits, Jonathan, with what we were just talking about with New Year's resolutions, not having compelling enough reasons. So essentially, a bad habit is really any habit that stands in opposition to your long-term goals, be it living a healthy life or maintaining good relationships or earning straight A's. And the reason that these bad habits stick around for so long is because they are ingrained, but almost always they're habits that lead to short-term rewards. And your brain is hardwired to care a lot more about the short-term than your long-term goals, even though logically, you know those long-term goals are more important. So essentially, you're acting against your own self-interest. And in fact, there's a term that originates in English ancient Greece for this called acrasia. And if you want to be able to beat that acrasia, if you want to be able to beat that short-term focused programming deep inside your brain, you need to have a clear, well-defined, and compelling reason for breaking that bad habit. In one of his private journals, Bruce Lee once wrote, I realize the dominating thoughts of my mind will eventually reproduce themselves in outward physical action and gradually transform themselves into physical reality. Therefore, I will concentrate my thoughts for 30 minutes daily upon the task of thinking of the person I intend to become, thereby creating in my mind a clear mental picture. You know, clear mental picture, compelling reasons are so important for Christians. We need to have that because just because we're a Christian doesn't mean everything's great. That's right. It means, just like you said earlier, that means everything's going to be exposed as to all the work you have to do. Exactly. And that's the beauty of Christianity, and that's the beauty of setting up spiritually based habits. So we were talking about habit breaking with our beliefs, which lead to expectations. If our beliefs are mired in me, then I can't find spirituality. What about habit making? When you change your beliefs, you change your expectations. And that line is another quote from from John Maxwell. Jesus, in the experience with Saul becoming the Apostle Paul, he now, he's seen the vision, Jesus introduced himself essentially, saying it is, you know, Jesus whom you're persecuting. He continues to sell, tell Saul what his true purpose in life is going to be. So Saul's purpose in life is being laid out for him. Jesus is changing Saul's beliefs. So listen now, Acts 26, 16 to 18, he's helping Saul to see a whole new belief system. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. Okay, so Jesus is here showing Saul that he will be taught new beliefs. He didn't expect Saul to know them, so he assures him, I'm going to appear to you more. I'm going to show you what you need to do. He's showing him, here's your belief system. I'm going to be handing it to you. Go ahead, 17 and 18 rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So he's saying the object of your life, Saul, is going to help people to turn from darkness to light, from Satan to God, from doing what you were doing, to godliness. That's what you are called to be. So Jesus is showing Saul the gross errors of his thinking, his beliefs and actions. He's changing Saul's paradigm. He's changing his beliefs by changing how he sees things. How do you think Paul feels right now? Can you imagine being in his shoes, 
trying to stand up and listen to our Lord Jesus change his life completely. You know, and, and that's a good point, to just pause and, and think, what is it like? I mean, this bright light, I, you know, I don't know if there was a lot of heat with the light, but it's it's captivating, and this voice is commanding, and it's talking directly to him and challenging everything he has stood for. And he said, Lord, who are you? Yeah. I mean, he knew it was it, it was uh, a divine being. Yes, yeah, something much bigger than yes. him. So, yeah, you know, you think about that, and, and he's probably saying, what is that? I mean, it's one of those jaw-dropping moments, I would imagine. Absolutely. And he's like, what's happening? What am I supposed to do? And, and you know, trying to just absorb, because this is a moment he certainly did not expect. So when we look at our beliefs, make or break beliefs, Jonathan, what have we got? Habitual beliefs driven by imperfect human desire stifle our expectations. Raising our awareness of Jesus is every area of, in every area of life will give our beliefs a chance to be elevated. So that's the key. Raising our awareness of Jesus in every area of our life. No matter what it is, whether it's a spiritual or non-spiritual activity, if our awareness of Jesus is higher, the ability to latch on to elevated thinking is also higher. Jonathan, just three quick little points from a Facebook comment. You know, we're, they, on Facebook we were talking about habits, and one uh, one contributor said, "One thing is to just promise to do it for five minutes. Then usually momentum happens. Starting is the hardest part." So she says, "Okay, start." Her second point: Additionally, do the hard thing first while you have the energy. If it's studying or whatever it is you're putting off, do it first. So she's saying, apply yourself. You know, go get after it if you think, because you have to have that compelling reason. And then third, she says, begin positively. She says, and this might sound silly, but make your bed every day and keep your room clean. This way, you have one thing you've started off with, a success that was easy. So just little things to get your life in line with the kind of habits that we want to have that will end up being a glory to God. Okay, so we've talked about the habits of beliefs and how thinking builds belief. Remember, belief brings expectation. So my habitual expectations, are my habitual expectations habits to break or are they habits to make? So let's talk about habit breaking when it comes to expectations. What attitude do I display based on my current expectations in this area of life? So our expectations are going to bring attitude, some kind of attitude. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, okay, what attitude are my expectations bringing me? And that's a pretty easy answer if you're honest with yourself. And it might not be a happy answer, but it can be an easy answer. Do my expectations breed an attitude of godly contentment or earthly restlessness? Whoa, the battle between the spirit and the flesh. And <laughs> we go through it day by day. And that is so true. Godly contentment or earthly restlessness. Wow. You know, and especially in today's world, people are restless. And to have godly contentment, it comes through expectation, which comes from belief, which comes from thinking. So if you don't like your the habit of your expectation, folks, think about what is it you believe and the thoughts that got you there, and then you can work on changing that expectation. So let's look at another external example, not the example of um, of Saul being 
converted to to Christianity and becoming Paul. But another example um, in Acts chapter eight, eighteen through twenty one, regarding expectations. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, "Give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit." But Peter said to him, "May your silver perish with you." because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. So Simon was a magician. He was enthralled with Christianity, becomes a follower to a degree, and says, oh, I see what you're doing. I'll pay you for the ability to do that, because, boy, I could, I'm speculating, but, boy, I could draw crowds with this. You know, and, and, and Peter calls him out. Because his expectations of the gifts of the Spirit were all wrong. And he basically told him, your heart's not right before God. And Simon becomes frightened. And we didn't read that part, but he's like, pray for me. Don't, please, please. I don't want that to happen. I, 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 he's, he's being revealed to himself. His habit of thinking, his habit of expectation needed changing. See, Jonathan, and we, we touched on this, being a Christian is not natural. No, it's not. Nope. Because we're so ingrained in our earthly thinking and beliefs, our expectations instinctively follow our earthly thinking and our beliefs, even if we're being shown a higher way. And they will continue to follow until we say, enough of that, replace it with this. So we have to be really, really careful in this area of our lives in terms of our expectations, which are built on our beliefs, which are built on our thinking. Separate our expectations from our beliefs. Makes you want to really be clear on what drives you. We already see how easy it is to have wrong expectations. How do we write the expectation ship? As we keep this podcast conversation going, this very brief break allows us to tell you more about one of your hosts, Rick. Aside from being a student of the Bible for nearly 50 years, did you know he only drinks decaf coffee? Can you imagine if that detailed, passionate about extensive research in the Bible mind added caffeine to the equation? Jonathan would probably never get a word in. So thank you, Rick, for staying away from caffeine. As a listener, you never have to worry about making your voice heard. We love to answer your questions and respond to your comments at ChristianQuestions.com and all our social media channels. Let's throw it back to Rick and Jonathan. Expectations can be tricky. When faced with an unusual or new experience, we consciously think about and weigh what to expect. However, the habitual circumstances of life don't usually rise up into our conscious thought process. They simply appear and wait to be fulfilled. And, you know, Jonathan, this kind of goes back to last week we were talking about uh, um, decision-making and so forth, and we're talking about heuristics. Remember, remember the shortcuts that we have in our minds that aren't necessarily good? Yep. You know, when we get into the habitual circumstances of daily life, we have to battle that, that, that instinctive thinking as well as our conscious thinking. So there's a lot to deal with in terms of expectations. Before we get started further, great quote from Benjamin Franklin. Each year, one vicious habit discarded in time, might make the worst of us good. <laughs> you know, and th- there's such wisdom in that, because so often, you know, Jonathan, you started out by saying the, the older you get, essentially, in Christ, the more you realize how much you have to work on. Exactly. Well, if you try and change it all tomorrow, 
it's just not going to work. Too overwhelming. Right. But if you work on it piece by piece and think it through and establish beliefs and expectations, then we can find the way to be glorying God. And, and yes, you're not changing everything, but you're getting to it. Small steps. Small steps always, always can win the, the eventual big battle. So when we look at – we're talking about expectations, continue, uh, continuing our discussion on that, um, habit-making regarding expectations. When you change your expectations, you change your attitude. Okay, so expectations are directly related to your attitude. Attitude is built upon what your expectations are. So with that in mind, let's go back to the conversion of Saul to the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter, we're going back to the actual event, Acts chapter 9, verses 8 and 9. And this is the aftermath of Jesus talking with Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him in to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So, Jonathan, think about that. You're sitting in darkness, and you refuse to eat and refuse to drink. Rick, all that just took place had to be going over and over and over in his mind. Why was I so focused improperly in persecuting uh, these Christians? Jesus told me, this is my mission. How can I fulfill this? Right, right. Oh, it, it, what a struggle. What a oh, intense. And, and you, you, you'd think that he'd probably be thinking, why is he talking to me? Why is he picking me? I am, I am dirt in his sight for what I've been doing. And, you know, wrestling with the massiveness of the grace that was given to him would have been just this, and you're right, this, it, the, the three days shows the depth of his receiving of what Jesus said and trying to process it. There's nothing like an unexpected and dramatic spiritual encounter followed by complete darkness and fasting for days to get you to rethink your beliefs and reconsider your expectations for your journey. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> there is doesn't happen doesn't happen often. <laughs> no, and you know, we're not going to see a bright light on the road. Uh, but you know, we are going to get hit in the head with a 2 by 4 sometimes figuratively to get our attention. <laughs> But you know what, Jonathan? We're talking about expectations leading to, to attitude. There's no better way to change your attitude than by absorbing new and valuable truth that will change your expectations. That's what Saul did. For three days in darkness, he's working on it. So he's working on trying to grasp the thinking, the belief, and the expectation. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, okay, <laughs> the whole rethinking about habitual responses is happening elsewhere exactly at the same time with a disciple of Christ whose name is Ananias. And this is Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up. And go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. So, so Ananias is given this vision of Jesus, which specifies a very specific task to accomplish. And in this vision, he said, 
there's this man named Saul. He's from Tarsus. Now, Ananias will immediately know who that is. Oh, he will. But it's interesting. He says, go to this house. This is the man you're looking for because he is praying. Jesus, in a vision, is telling Ananias, Saul is praying. And he has seen you coming to him in a vision of his own. So Ananias now, we're going to watch Ananias go through the process that we've been talking about, thinking, belief, and expectation. Watch how this unfolds. This is fascinating. But Ananias answered. And now here comes his thinking. Lord, I have heard from many about this man. Okay. He says, you know, there's a reputation here. I've, I've thought this through. I, I know the name. Here comes his belief. How much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. See, he knows. He's got this belief system that Saul of Tarsus means destruction to the followers of Jesus. And here comes his expectation. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias, he's got a habit of thinking. And you know what? It's good. It's good because Saul of Tarsus up to this moment was a bad guy when it came to Christianity. He was the enemy, number one. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Jesus now, in this vision, tells Ananias new information to form a new perspective, which will give him new expectations. So even though his habit was good, it was protective for the saints, there was something higher that he needed to learn. Jesus is patient with him. And here's what he said, verses 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And so Jesus tells him, he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Go, I still want you to go. Jesus answers, answer. He helps Ananias to focus on new thinking, new belief, and new expectations. There's no better way to change your attitude than by absorbing new and valuable truth. So even if your habits are good, we want them to be spiritually minded and higher than they have ever been. So Jonathan, make or break when it comes to expectations, what do we have? Habitual expectations need to be challenged to be sure they are in line with the highest truth we can access. Always weigh your thinking and beliefs first. So thinking and beliefs are going to lead to expectations. Okay, let's let's pause here before we go to attitude, and let's go back to Thomas Frank, how to actually break your bad habits. And he's talking about now, use a picture. But you can also create a real physical reminder of why you're trying to break that habit as well. And that's actually what I did. Out of all the reasons I had for stopping my addiction to energy drinks, the main one was my face. Because for most of high school and for a lot of college, I had horrible acne. My complexion was basically the dark side of the moon, and it wrecked my self-confidence. And it was bad enough that I would wake up pretty much every day with blood stains on my pillowcase and my sheets. So I really wanted to fix this problem. And I'd spend hours researching online, trying to find remedies and fixes and trying to figure out what the causes were. But eventually I realized what I had basically known all along, which is that sugar, especially sugary energy drinks and soda, were a huge cause of breakouts. So one day I decided to crystallize this reason in physical form and I actually went into Photoshop. I took a picture of myself and I used the clone tool to create a Photoshopped version of that picture, basically an idealized version of what I want to look like someday. And then I put that on my phone and every time I would get a craving to go buy a monster or buy a Red Bull, I would look at that picture. 
And I knew if I gave in to that craving, I was pushing that reality further and further into the future. See, he took it really seriously, and you know, wow, he did. you know, he had tried, and you know, the the, the rest of the the uh, the video, he he tried for years to change this and couldn't. But when he finally got absolutely serious, he said, "Okay, put a picture, a reality in front of me, and I can choose between which reality I want." And for Christians, that's a great, great tool for our changing of our habits. So let's get on to the fourth point: my habitual attitudes. Now, expectations always lead to attitudes. Are my attitudes habits to break or habits to make? In terms of habit-breaking, Jonathan, what do we have? What behavior do I display based on my current attitude in this area of life? Okay, so attitude is going to show us behavior. That's what it's going to bring us to. So what behavior do I display based on my attitude in whatever area of life I'm looking to change? Does my attitude produce a behavior that lifts others up or one that brings others down? Think about that. Well, Rick, if we find ourselves looking back over the past year and start making a list of what others need to work on, we are in big trouble. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What others need to work on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> Folks, Danger. Yes. Stay away from yeah, that. <laughs> don't try this at home. You know, and, and, and Jonathan, that's, a, that's a, an important point, though, and an important observation, because it's so easy to look at someone else and say, if they would only do this, they can certainly get out of their issues. You know, they're complaining about this, but if they would only. Yeah, what about me? You know, because I am the only one that I have the power to change, and that's only with the grace of God. So good point. Focus <laughs> on the habit breaking of myself. Let's look at Galatians 2, verses 11 and 12. But when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. So this is a great example of, of, of an attitude being displayed that was damaging to others because it did lead to behavior. And we're going to get into behavior in the next segment. So Peter, the apostle Peter, was essentially two-faced in this experience. When there were just Gentile Christians around, he was with them and he fellowshiped with them. But when the Jewish Christians showed up, he abandoned them and went and, 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 and stayed with and, and, and fellowshiped with the, Gentile, the, the Jewish Christians. The apostle Paul sees this. And says, no, no, not here, not now. This is not appropriate. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the one we're talking about going through the conversion. Mm -hmm. This is how strong he becomes later. He goes to the Apostle Peter, the very spokesman of, of all the apostles, and says, what are you doing? You are not representing Christ appropriately. And he says, I withstood him to his face. That's a powerful reminder. Your attitude is in the wrong direction, and now you're misleading others. See, attitude can be powerfully positive as well as powerfully poisonous. Mm. Wow. We need to be careful because attitude is something that people see, and we're going to really develop that in the next segment. So, Jonathan, we talked in this segment about habitual expectations. Uh, do they need to be adjusted or broken or enhanced? And expectations always lead to an attitude because if you have a, have a specific expectation, you're going to have an attitude based on that 
and whether where it's going to bring you remains to be seen. So what it comes down to, it becomes ever more obvious that we need to examine and re-examine our habits in all areas of life. A bad attitude usually leads to bad behavior. How do we avoid such a crash and burn trajectory? Join our conversation by messaging us through the Christian Questions app. Download it now in your app store. Just search Christian Questions, then give us your thoughts on this and future episodes. Now, let's take a CQ deep dive. See, here's the thing. Attitude is a revealer. Thinking, belief, and expectation are largely internal functions of habit. We can develop these things for good or ill without too much exposure. However, when we get to our attitude and our behavior, they're out there for the world to see. What happens in our minds is revealed in our lives. We have to remember that. What happens in our minds is revealed in our lives. And folks, if you're not happy about what's being revealed in your life, look at what's happening in your mind. The thinking, the belief, the expectations, and then the attitudes that begin to show things. Great quote from Napoleon Hill. Until you have formed the habit of looking for the good instead of the bad there is in others, you will be neither successful nor happy. See, Jonathan, what you you said just before exactly fits the quote from Napoleon Hill. When you stop looking at the bad in others, you can begin to just look at life through a much, much stronger way. So we're we're talking about habitual attitudes still, and then we're going to get into um, behavior at the end of the segment. But habitual attitudes, you know, are they my attitudes? Are they habits to break or habits to make? So in terms of habit making, we talked about breaking habits of attitude in the last segment. What about habit making when it comes to attitude? Well, Rick, when you change your attitude, you change your behavior. It's really that simple. A change of attitude changes behavior. Have you ever seen, of course you've seen, have you ever, have you ever seen a kid, you know, I I think of my grandson, he's 12, you know, and he's getting into that, into that area of life where sometimes life is great and sometimes life is not so great and maybe you don't like what's happening and you tend to mope a little bit or Mm -hmm, or a mm -hmm. lot, you know, and, and I remember going over their house, uh, you know, during the holidays and he was in a very mopey mood. And, you know, just nothing was good, nothing was happy, nothing was going. And, you know, this is a Christmas season, so I made it my business to change his attitude. Oh, and man. and you know me. I can be, <laughs> you know, you, Look out. you get the eyes rolling and, oh, Papa, will you stop? But it worked. And we ended up having such a great day because he changed his attitude. So, and that leads to, to behavior. So in terms of habit making, here we're, we're, we're talking about changing the attitude and remember, we were talking about Ananias and Saul, who's going to become the Apostle Paul. Here, in our next section, the stories of Saul, the new convert, and Ananias, the disciple, their stories converge. Both have had a serious attitude adjustment based on their thinking, beliefs, and their expectations being enlightened. So now we're going to go and see what happens when the two get together with this enlightenment from Jesus, Acts nine seventeen through 19. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is God. I think this is one of my favorite scriptures in, this, in, in the Bible, Jonathan. That response. Ananias, he walks in faith and he boldly stands for Jesus. And what does he say to, to, to this, this wreaker of havoc, this, this taker of life? What does he say to him? Brother Saul. This was a defining moment for both of them as they obviously accept each other as brothers. Saul has been sitting there in silence, in darkness for three days. No food, no drink, just, just focusing on the message of Jesus. And in walks Ananias. Just like Jesus said, Saul was now expecting him because Jesus gave him a vision that this would happen. And he introduces himself and basically says, you're my brother. Just like that. What happens? Verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. So immediately he regains his sight, and he's up. And he goes and he's baptized. He's given it thought. He's been a servant of God, even though he's been doing Satan's work. In his heart, he was serving God, but in his actions, he was actually serving Satan. And because Ananias comes to him and he's given his sight, he just immediately, he knows what his life is supposed to be about. So, you know, when you, you talk about this attitude change, you see that powerful, powerful link toward, okay, I now am serving Jesus. That's the attitude change, and we'll see the behavior in a moment. Saul becomes Paul and later uses his experiences as a teaching tool. You know, and, and that's the thing, Jonathan. He's not afraid of his past, even though he's— His, his mistakes? <laughs> yes, his many horrific mistakes. I mean, Jonathan, these weren't just little mistakes like, oh, you know, I said a bad word about somebody. These, this, this is murder. Yes, right? yes, murder and convicting people to, to, to prison and, 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 and trying to twist their words so they blaspheme. I mean, this is hideous, hideous activity. And he uses that as a teaching tool. That's how far he comes. Uh, um, notice the attitude in 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 11. This is much later, and, and he's kind of re recalling some of these things. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me, whether there was, whether there it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So he's saying, I have been laboring by the grace of God ever since. I'm the least of the apostles. I persecuted the church of God. And by persecuted, we don't mean called them names. We mean I sought their lives. I sought to humiliate and break them. I sought to make their beliefs crumble. I sought to help have them deny what they stood for. And yet now his attitude is, I'm the least of the apostles. I've been called to be an apostle. I have to be an apostle. And it's all about the grace of God. I mean, Jonathan, what a powerful, powerful story here. So our make or break in relation to attitudes is what? Habitual attitudes need constant monitoring. 
For our attitudes in each aspect of our lives reveal where our heart truly lives in each and every part of our experience. So, folks, when you look at your attitudes, and see, this is an easy test. Because a lot of times we're not sure about our thinking because it happens and we're not even aware of it. You know, we're, we're, our beliefs are sort of like core and we don't, you know, they don't just jump out. Our expectations are just kind of natural. Your attitude, though, is something you show to everybody else. So how's that going? What's your attitude like in this area of life or that area of life? Are you at work or with your family or with your friends who are maybe not Christian? What's the attitude like? Is it something that is God-honoring? Or is it something that you, you look at and say, boy, if Jesus were here, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do that. You know, if, if we, if, when we have that thought that, oh, I wouldn't do that if Jesus were here, we better think about what we're doing. Good point. So the attitude with which we approach life, if it needs changing, how do you do it? You don't say, okay, I'm going I'm to change my attitude. I'm just going to change it. You can't. You have to change your expectation, which means you've changed your belief, which means you changed your thinking. You've got to go back through that whole – the attitude, you know, it, it, it all – one thing builds upon another. Jonathan, there's a – and we have to work on replacing things. You know, we're going to get to a soundbite on that in a second. But I got a comment from one of our CQ team members. Um, she says, last week – so this is very, very, very recent uh, experience. Last week, a dear friend said she was moving. We had a comfortable habit of sharing many thoughts. However, two days later, I was asked to contribute to research for Christian questions. This assignment won't replace the comfort of my friend's presence, but it refocuses my attention on God's presence. So, wow, nice. So she had a very comfortable experience in life that wasn't a bad experience, but it was being taken from her. And she's saying, by God's grace, I have the opportunity to focus on God's presence and, because I'm going to miss that. So a new habit, instead of sulking and you know feeling bad, it's a new habit of, I can praise God. A void was filled. Absolutely. And that's part of what we want to do with our habits, is fill the voids of our lives so that we are focusing on something bigger and higher that's full of grace, that's full of contentment, that's full of peace, that's full of hope, not only for us, but for the whole world. Let's go to um, back to how to actually break your bad habits from Thomas Frank, and this is talking about a replacement routine, and this is a really important part of dealing with our habits. And that's actually the second tip here. If you can find a different routine that replaces the reward with something similar, then you can replace the habit with something more productive. And this is actually something Charles Duhigg talks about in The Power of Habit. Now, for me, I replaced my energy drink addiction and my soda addiction in part with sparkling drinks, LaCroix, Topo Chico, San Pellegrino, because I realized it wasn't necessarily the taste of the drinks that I was addicted to. It wasn't even necessarily the caffeine. It was just the novelty of having that cool can on the desk and having some good tasting drink while I did my boring homework. So I asked myself, is there something else where I can get a similar, if not exact same, benefit? And when my girlfriend actually introduced me to LaCroix, which is like a lemon-flavored one, I was like, this doesn't taste the same, but it's carbonated, it's in a can, it's got a bit of novelty to it, so it kind of replaced soda in that habit. Topo Chico? I don't know. Machu Picchu? I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can tell I'm really up on these things. But, you know, the, the point is well, well taken. You replace it with something else. You, when you stop a behavior, when you stop an action, when you stop a thought, when you stop an attitude, if it's not replaced with something else, the void drags you back 
to what was because the void doesn't know anything different. So we've got to be really careful in terms of, uh, of being able to make sure we put that replacement situation in place. Okay, so we've talked about attitude. Attitude directly affects our behavior. You know, I was talking about that with my grandson earlier in the segment. So my habitual behavior, my behavior, is it made up of habits to break or habits to make? So in terms of my habitual behavior and habit breaking, Jonathan, what do we have? What kind of performance results for my behavior in this specific area of life? So behavior is directly correlated with and leads to performance. And we'll, we'll discuss the difference in the next segment. So what kind of performance does my behavior bring? See, my behavior is going to bring something. Is it going to bring, bring glory or not? Do I accomplish the tasks of life with a godly zeal or do I trudge through them because I'm not focused or engaged? Which is it? Well, Rick, I was thinking today about this subject and trying to look at how I can improve my life. And I thought, you know, we can only control our actions and reactions. And I want to make them count. I don't want, want them to go be frivolous. I want to honor the Lord with my actions and reactions. And, and I'm going to focus and work on that. You know, and, and that's a that's a really important, uh, valuable point to be able to work on on those things. And, and you know, Jonathan, in my own experience, when when experiences come that are hard that you know you're going to have to deal with for a long time, you know, y- we have kind of an initial reaction to all of that. And what I found is that my re- initial reaction usually isn't really great. As a matter of fact, it's pretty lousy. Okay, <laughs> but you know, then you have to get your head around the fact that okay, this is going to be an experience of life, not just an event. So it's a decision-making process that says, how do I want to behave with this ongoing event? And it comes down to figuring your attitude, which is based on your expectation, which is based on your belief, which is based on your thinking. And when you can get that new experience into it's something God has given to me and I'm thankful for it and will deal with it as a part of my life rather than as an invasion into my life, things can change. Nice. First Corinthians nine twenty four to 25. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. You know, athletes have an incredible talent, but the winners amongst the athletes are the ones with the incredible work ethic. It's Mm. not talent that wins, it's work ethic. Less talented with great work ethic beats more talented with lower work ethic. That's what the scripture is saying. What is my behavior what is it going to produce? Behavior gone bad is a direct result of a lack of discipline. This lack begins in our thinking, our beliefs, our expectations, and our attitudes. And we end up with behavior. And Jonathan, again, behavior is something everybody around you sees. So Be careful. <laughs> that's right. So this is the beginning of your witnessing to Christ. How are we doing with it? Okay. Now we're getting down to a complete picture. Habits have deep roots. The question is uproot or cultivate? 
We are finishing the internal and external workings of habit formation. What is the final piece? If we asked Rick, Jonathan, and the CQ contribution team to answer our topical questions in five minutes or less, rather than chapters over 90 minutes, they'd probably get a little stressed out. Plus, they love painting that bigger picture by looking at several real-world media perspectives, historical facts, and scripture. That's why some answers may come quickly. But we love taking a look at the bigger questions that aren't so easy. Attitudes and behavior are the beginning of the world around us knowing what our habits of life look like. They are the present, in the moment, external results of our thinking, belief, and expectations. The next step in the public proclamation of our habits is the lasting results of our performance. So behavior and performance are directly related to each other. Okay, but there is a difference, and we're going to get into that in just just a minute. Uh, our last uh, great external quote, this is from a perpetual winner. This is from Vince Lombardi. Once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. It's really simple. You know, you learn something, and it's so easy to fall into that uh, again and again. And, you know, learning to quit, quitting is a learned behavior. Just like uh, uh, steadfastness is a learned behavior and, and focus is a learned behavior and discipline is a learned behavior. Once we learn to quit, though, it's so easy to say, well, you know, I've already, I already quit once. You know, it's not so bad. And when things become not so bad, we become not so Christ-like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to think about it. Okay. So we're continuing habitual behavior, habits to break or habits to make. And again, folks, your behavior. Take a look at your behavior in different areas that's built on your attitude. What's it look like? Uh, so, so habit making now, let's, let's go to the building of the positive in terms of behavior. When you change your behavior, you change your performance. It's pretty simple. And that's, again, another quick quote from John Maxwell. You change your behavior, you change your performance. Saul, let's go back to Saul. Again, in, in relation to behavior, not performance yet, because it's gonna, we're going to get there in just a minute. Saul now begins to behave like a truly dedicated servant of God, but now, uh, and he is doing it as an enlightened Christian. He was trying to be a servant of God before, but he was completely in the dark and ended up serving Satan as a result. Now he's an enlightened Christian. Listen to the immediate behavioral changes Saul has in his life right after this. Acts chapter 9, after Ananias comes and baptizes him and so forth and so on, it says, Brother Saul, Acts 9, 19 through 22. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were in Damascus, And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. So, you know, there's no waiting. There's no wondering. He goes to work. He eats. He gets strong. He's like, okay, time to go to work. This is my job. This is my mission. Jesus came to me. I need to go do this. Jonathan, it's it's amazing. Think about this. Ananias brings him in to the other apostles. This is who? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> they had to have heard the vision of Ananias and of Saul and said only Jesus could turn a heart around. 
and they must have gloried in the miracle that was right in front of them. You know, and I imagine that that amongst the disciples there was some suspicion here and there, like, is he setting the ultimate trap? You know, is he getting on the inside and getting our names and where we live and then going to come down on us, you know, like a ton of bricks? You know, you you wonder if if that thought went through their minds. But the fact is that Saul, who will become Paul, was thoroughly convicted and his behavior is is echoing this this belief. Verses 21 and 22. All those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, is this not he who was in Jerusalem, destroyed those who called on his name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Days ago, he was out to destroy them. And now, because his mind has been freed and God's spirit is with him, he's proving according to Scripture that Jesus is the Messiah. It's an amazing, amazing turnaround. And this, at this point, Jonathan, is just behavior. This is not performance yet. See, performance is lifelong. Behavior is immediate. So Saul's behavior is wonderful. A change of behavior is good, but it's only a start. The true proof proof of a changed life, uh, of living by new habits, comes over time. That's observed and our performance, which we're going to cover next. So, Jonathan, our make-or-break behavior point. Habitual behavior, whether godly or not, is a witness to just how much the power of God is at work in our lives. What does God's power in your life look like to others? And again, behavior is the immediate thing that I'm doing now and doing tomorrow and you know yesterday's uh, experiences. So what does it look like? And, and, and if your behaviors, if our behaviors are not godly and we say okay time to to make a new habit and break an old one where do you start you got to start with your thinking and you got to go to your beliefs you got to go to your expectations and then your attitudes and then your behavior and then we get to performance what does your life look like what does the power of god look like in your life as expressed through your behavior one last sound by jonathan this is a little bit different this is about mr rogers this was cnbc program called Make It. And he had he was a man of tremendous habit. And I just found it fascinating. There were three odd things, three odd habits that Mr. Rogers had uh, that he really did every day. Let's listen. He would swim a mile every day. And after he swam, he would weigh himself and he weighed 143 pounds, he said, every day of his adult life, which I don't even know how that's possible. But with him, I believe it. And to him, 143 was a, a kind of a private numerology that meant one, four, three. I love you. One letter, four, three. SNL had a famous sketch called Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood with Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy actually was a big fan of Mr. Rogers, and they wanted Mr. Rogers to go on, but he said, well, that's past my bedtime. I can't go on SNL. <laughs> you know, he'd get up at 5 a.m., and he would read the Bible in Hebrew or Greek most days. So... This kind of willful, almost monkish devotion to his mission was something that defined him and, and made him do this incredible amount of work, almost a thousand shows, books, letters, you know, just a tremendous output from one person. And he did it all virtually himself. Beautiful day for a neighbor, would you remind? 
You know, I, I just you know think it's it's such a a wonderful uh, uh, testimony to a life well lived from someone who really dedicated himself to the betterment of the world around him, specifically to children. He had very specific, driven habits to keep him physically fit and spiritually strong, and he used his talents to 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 give to others. And I think it's just a it's a great example of somebody who stood out when others uh, didn't like the weather. You know, he just stood out there and did what he did. Excellent example. Yeah, yeah. So let's get down to performance, okay? The final piece, my habitual performance. Uh, again, does my performance consist of habits to break or habits to make? So habit breaking in relation to performance, Jonathan, what do we have? What does my life reflect in this particular area as a result of my performance? All right. What does my life reflect? And so here we come to my life. What does it reflect as a result of my performance? Now, performance is gauged not by your just behavior today and tomorrow and next week and next month. Performance is a sum total of large periods of time where you say, what have I stood for? What am I standing for and what will I stand for over long periods of time? It's like the epistle of our lives. Do others see Christ in you when you work or when you play? Do, 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 does Christ come through as your life's focus, no matter what part of life you're dealing with? And Rick, today I was thinking about if we're stuck trying to think of what to change for the upcoming year, and if we look at the good qualities in others and try to implement them in our lives, that's a really good place to start. So what and, you- and, and I'm just going to mention one. Um, my wife, Jewel, has, she's so thoughtful. She thinks of others always. And I, my dad had four siblings, and I have lots of cousins all over the world. <laughs> she sent an e- Christmas e-card out to every one of them. And they all responded. She connected to my cousins because of her thoughtfulness. And I just sit back and say, wow, I want to be more like that. So I sent two texts out, one to you, one to <laughs> good, good buddy Mark, to say, I hope uh, Christ is, is in your, your season for the day and you know, send my love to all your family. Uh, because of my wife's influence, I wanted to follow through with being thoughtful as well. So, and what you're looking at is not a moment in her life, but the no. story of her life. Yes. And that's what performance is. And what, and, and this is the biggest big picture now to say, is my performance the way I want it to be before Christ? And look, all of us fall short, no matter what. We always fall short. But the point is, am I heading in the right direction? Am I making that, that progress? Is my performance something that I can say, yes, that was good, but I can do better? That was good, but I can do better. So let's, let's take a look at the, you know, habit breaking, you know, the, the kinds of things that we need to, to work on. Philippians 4, 12 to 13, relating to performance. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So it's interesting. I have learned. That's what he talks about. The secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. In other words, this is learned behavior. It's not natural. 
We've got to work on it. And this was Paul's performance in his life. This was his maturity right. of saying, I am content because the Lord Jesus is leading me. Right. I can go through whatever it is that's put in front of me because Christ strengthens me. Striving for a new habit of consistent performance regardless of circumstances. And so that's the internal part of this whole thing. So now, you know, so we've got to break the habit of reacting and enhance the habit of spiritually responding because that eventually builds this life performance that we will stand before God with at some point. Our habit-making, Jonathan, in terms of performance, what do we have? When you change your performance, you change your life. And that is the key. All of the other elements bring us to this point. That's another quote from John Maxwell. So the record of the Apostle Paul's life is very, very simply summed up in his presentation to King Agrippa. He just, like, in a few words, gives us a sense of, here's what I'm about, Acts 26, verses 19 to 23. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring to all that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. Okay, so the the, the great part about this, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was given the opportunity of my life, and I obeyed it, and I followed it, and I just kept declaring, and I just kept trying to move forward. Yes, I fell. I'm adding a lot. Yes, I fell down, but I got up, and I kept moving forward. I kept moving forward, talking to everyone about repentance. And now, verses 21 to 23 of Acts 26. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God... I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said and was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. So interesting in verse 21, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. He was one of those Jews not too, too long before that. And now he's experiencing that same hatred from others, but he does not flinch. And wasn't that what Anna, you know, what Ananias was told? Yes. He had a lot to suffer right. for Christ's sake. Right. Unflinching life performance was his new habit. Here's a, Jonathan, just a quick little habit revealing tip from one of our CQ um, contributors. When we examine ourselves, let us be sure to use the MRI tools of God's Word and Jesus' example rather than the simple X-ray tools of human perception. So, you know what? An X-ray is a simple thing. You look inside, okay, the bone's broken, the bone's not broken. An MRI is layer by layer, understanding what's there and what's damaged and what's not, and it's specific and it's dynamic. The MRI tools of God's Word and Jesus' example are what we need to be using as we examine our own life habits. So, Jonathan, let's wrap this up. Make or break in relation to performance. Habitual performance is the lasting epistle of our discipleship. Performance lingers long past our physical lives. Are others inspired when they observe it? When people look at your life, the sum total of the things that you do, is it inspiring? Is it bringing people closer to Christ? Or are they saying, He was a Christian? 
I mean, th- let's think about that as we think about our life experiences and our habits and all of the things that we need to be doing. Remember, it all starts with our thinking. And our thinking provokes belief, which provokes expectation, which provokes attitude, which provokes um, our behavior, which provokes our performance. All of these things put together are the, the, the tools to break the bad habits and put Christ-likeness front and center so we can stand up and glorify God in all that we say and do. Folks, your habits are your choices. What are you going to do about them? Think about it. Listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please, rate us and review us. We greatly appreciate it. Now, coming up next week, does time matter in God's plan? Might be an odd question, but it's got a profound answer. Does time matter in God's plan? Talk to you next week. <laughs>